Hello, and welcome to the Breckenridge Podcast. My name's Adam Stern. I'm the co-head of research here at Breckenridge, and I'm here with uh, Chris Woodward, a longtime uh, municipal utility analyst. And today, uh, we want to talk about California's SB 100, uh, new legislation there that impacts uh, utilities. Chris, uh, kick us off. What is SB 100? What does it do? Sure. Thanks, Adam. The SB 100 bill, it's kind of a landmark. Saw SB 100, uh, it was signed by the governor. Uh, there was some question as to whether it would go through, and it did. And now we're in this place where uh, not just California, but maybe other states are going to have to uh, more rapidly make some changes to their electric mix. What is SB 100? It is a mandate to be 60% renewable by 2030, which is 10 higher than where it was. But the interesting thing about it was it put a new mile marker out in 2045 where the state will do something different, and that's called being carbon free. So they're going to try and eliminate uh, carbon dioxide from their electric mix. So the two goals, just to give you, I'm going to give you a little backdrop on that. For everybody to appreciate, California has already achieved 25%, give or take, renewable energy in its electric mix. Uh, and it has reduced its fossil fuel content down to about 40%. It's now mostly natural gas, and it was about 60% in 2012. And that gives us an idea on where the ball is on the field and, and maybe some insight about uh, where we're going with what they're going to have to do from here. Yeah, that's, uh, that's interesting. Now, you, so, so the, the bill, uh, just so everyone understands it, so it's carbon-free by 2030, which is just 12 years. Uh, the renewable is 2030. Sorry, renewable right. by 2030, which is 12 years away, but carbon-free by uh, 2045. Do you want to sort of unpack that right. for people so they understand? As easy as I can make it, it's going to be you have renewables, which are a subset of carbon-free resources. All renewables are regarded as carbon-free. Uh, I won't get into too lengthy a definition, but if you think of it as a pizza that's sliced up into a number of ways, you'd have wind and solar as a slice, you'd have other things like geothermal, biomass, and so forth. Okay. So you'd still have your natural gas at this point in time and, your, and a limited amount of coal power that's being imported by the state. But to grow from the renewables to the carbon-free, uh, which I guess is three phases, right? You have, um, you have this stop point of what they call renewables, and then you have these three other elements that might make it achievable by 2045, and those are nuclear energy, the use of batteries uh, to possibly firm up additional uh, renewable resources, and the and that I should go off a little bit and say that's to address intermittency. Everybody's aware the wind isn't always blowing, the sun isn't always shining. And then the last thing is a technology that is still pretty new but might be possible by that point called carbon capture, and that's taking the CO2 from a fossil emitting resource and trying to put it back in the ground. Right. So, uh, so 100 percent uh, carbon free by 2045 could mean all renewables, wind, solar, et cetera, or it could mean wind, solar, some carbon capture, some nuclear, exactly. whatever. Yeah. I, I, there's uh, quickly, um, I think Moody's is regarded as a $100 billion expense if you did it all with batteries. I don't think that's necessarily, you know, it's just not a, a one size uh, fits all approach for any given resources to lean on. But yes, that's how uh, among those three resources and potentially growth beyond 60% renewables is how they get there. So for those listening out there, how does Cal compare to these other states across the country in terms of uh, renewables? We're trying to get 60% in 12 years. They're already at 50%, I think you mentioned, in terms of um, renewables. The 25% is about where they, they, right, the 50% was where they already are in terms of the regulation. In terms of the regulation. That's why 2030. So they just changed that. And right. So um, they're at 25%. They're going to try to get to to 60. I mean, where's, where, how do they compare with everybody else? Uh, Aggressive in a, in one word. The, I, I, 
don't want to get too far on the islands because they make electricity using very expensive diesel fuel. That's like 1% of the mix for the continental United States. So what's big about California going to 100% is that it is going to imply higher uh, rates of kilowatt hours. So they're going to have to charge for all the new resources that are going to need to come online. Um, So what we are in now that this bill has been signed is is a phase that's after a a phase of renewable portfolio standards, which 30 states or 29 states technically have. And those were static for the most part. We we saw Ohio delay its efficiencies and and a couple of other hiccups. But but the significance of this podcast is to address how four states, mostly neighbors of California, entertaining 50% renewables or higher. Arizona is one of them. Arizona even kicked around an 80% carbon-free mandate. And then the other four states I was going to bring up are states that don't even have renewable portfolio standards. Uh, the states of uh, the north of the panhandle, you have Iowa, Kansas, Oklahoma, and South Dakota. These are states that are all north of 30 to, they're in the 30 to 37% wind generation. So what we're combating in the utility space without is also- Without renewable. Yeah, without, and this is a very interesting thing. You can almost draw a line to Canada and find such heavy penetration of renewables. So it's it's a changing resource mix. That is something that uh, we want to clue everybody into that's become important for so the space. So if you're in the, in the Midwest, we've got these uh, handful of states where, regardless of the fact, they, they lack a renewable energy mandate, but wind power is just so cheap, they're just going out and procuring a lot of wind power, and they're at a 30% or so renewable mix, whether it's South Dakota or Oklahoma. And then you've got these other states, which are actually putting pedal to the metal and saying we want to reduce our carbon footprint and we're going to have a mandate. you got to go out and buy some of this wind power or solar power or whatever it is that's, that's carbon-free and or renewable. And uh, we're seeing states like Arizona and Nevada and New York ramp that up. Yeah. So Cal, in that respect, is a harbinger of things to come. Right. And I, I don't want to stretch things out and test um, the content too much here, but when you mentioned New York, there's also this... Uh, changeover and what the priority is and how we adopt these standards, whether nuclear energy is going to be leaned, be leaned on as clean more than natural gas. Very interesting to see California do this piece of legislation because they're the ones who inform policy federally the most. And the Clean Power Plan, for instance, subordinated nuclear energy to natural gas. Um, so it's interesting to see when you mentioned the state of New York, they have a clean energy standard. They have uh, nuclear getting a subsidy that um, is just another cocktail that, that each state is choosing, and we all need to be aware of as we see whether assets are going to be stranded in one state or another. Stranded assets, is that something you worry about? I mean, when we look at these utilities these days, do you expect sort of more of this um, overpurchase of power that then becomes underutilized? Or? That's one end of it, Adam. I think in, as we look at resources, we're concerned about having the right balance that's right for your state and its choices that, that, that have been made. Uh, you Even without policy, you always want to try and be competitive in the price you can offer electricity to your rate base. It's very important to pay your bonds back by having willing uh, participants. And this is in part where, where you're going with South Carolina and Georgia. We have the nuclear reactors, which are over budget and going to flow through rates in a way that we are concerned about. Where we would have concern with SB 100 would be if a utility, I, I think this duality we're trying to paint here is, a, is between not having enough or having too much. Um, having, having not enough 
is to answer that when a utility needs to go out and buy renewable power because it isn't in compliance with California's mandate, or it tries in some other state to be 100% renewable, what have you, they are going to need to to either go on, they could buy power on an hourly basis, or they could buy power, what we prefer in the municipal market, which would be on a contracted basis at most, uh, where you want to take long-term commitments and formulate what it is that keeps your lights on. You don't want to end up uh, when when you, you don't want to end up with too many assets on the one hand, like we were saying earlier. But you don't want to end up in this situation where you haven't gotten committed resources so that you can meet a state mandate. Right. So that's really, I, I think, to the direction we're going here is where does this hit the credit analysis, right? And we think of two things in municipal finance awful an awful lot of the time: their debt service coverage and its liquidity. You don't want to burn through your liquidity too fast by having to go out and buy power. Yeah, buy you power on the market, and then you have uh, and you have an issue where the price spike could just come any day or any hour, and you got to drain through a lot of resources to buy that. Right? And that's what we and see. That's, and it's uncertain. Exactly. Right. And it's not. So there's a level of transparency that's also not always there in these contracts. And I won't go into the... The gory details about it, but we need to make sure that utilities have a balanced approach to meeting whatever mandates that they have. And we also have to be concerned that that states away from California. I'm not too worried about California meeting the disposition of its rate base to go renewable. They seem really aggressive, right? But there's other states, there's other corporate customers who want more renewable energy. And I want to, I don't want to leave out of the podcast that there, there's also a a two-ended uh, candle at which you don't want to take risk with offering enough renewable resources. Um, so it's it's in finding the sweet spot that has a willing rate payer and that complies with regulation and that has, like we're talking about this contract structure, that we hope the utilities and we expect as we do the analysis, uh, the utilities we invest in will be okay. Right. So for those out there, we, we have a number of utility holdings. We monitor them all the time. Um, and these are emerging issues that uh, we expect will be with us for quite some time. We hope you found this uh, informative, and uh, please listen again.